So we're going to cover the entire history of the earth from creation to today, from today to the end of the world in just eight weeks. I don't know how we're going to do that, but what I will say is I apologize in advance if I overrun the 25 minutes by a few days or so. Uh, do forgive me for that. The, the thing to make this easier as well is we're making, uh, we're kind of following these books called The Big Story by Mark Powley. Uh, most, many of you have already got one of these, so if you haven't, we're making them subsidized. There's more information up there. Uh, we're subsidizing them there on the bookstore upstairs, so you can get them for 250 instead of, I think they're five pound or so. The great thing about these is they, they have kind of like, uh, eight episodes which we follow, which is actually where we're still in the titles of the talks from. Um, and then they have, each episode has like a page overview, uh, which is pretty much where we sit in the content of the talk some as well. Um, and in there, there's also like relevant, um, reference to Bible passages where you can just kind of, um, they're, they're kind of short passages you can read, you can follow, you can, yeah, they're short enough to get through in one go, but they're long enough for the Bible to speak to itself. So, why are we doing this? We, well, actually, let me start by asking a question. Who here likes a really good story? Yeah, most of you, some of you. Okay, oh, good movie. Okay, there you go. Yeah, pretty much everyone. There you go. Okay, well, do you know, we absolutely love good stories. You know, great stories can entertain us. They can inspire us. News stories, they can inform us and they can really outrage us as well, bringing up emotions. And, uh, you know, our own life stories can, um, can just tell us about who we are and where we've come from. And so what better way for God to communicate to, to us, to you and I, than through stories? Now, most of us know that the Bible is absolutely packed with stories, and we all probably know one or two, if not loads. But not all of us will know that the Bible itself, this one book, is one massive story as well. And it's one story that also includes us, that we're a part of this story. And when we, when we uncover the story, when we look into the story, when we ask questions of the story, we realize that actually we're not here by accident, that someone loves us, that we have a purpose in life, and that we're destined for so much more than just this. And so as we unpack this story, we realize that it's one that has stood the test of time, bringing love, hope, and transformation to the world. And so today, as I said, I'm going to start in episode one, really easy one, the creation and the fall. We've all been there. We know what it's like. So the creation and the fall. This is, this is like in the opening chapters of the Bible. By the way, if you don't have a Bible, we actually give these away for free on the welcome desk. So be, feel free to grab one. But in the opening chapters of the Bible, in the opening book called Genesis, there's a story about how, we all, how it all began. You know, we'll find out why things are the way they are. And we'll uncover the outrageous truth about Adam and Eve. Isn't that cool? Sounds a bit like, you know, Peter Andre and Katie Price moments, which is quite ironic because people keep on coming up to me and saying I look like Peter Andre, which is... <laughs> yeah, you're thinking it. I know. <laughs> um, before we dive into what it says, we need to ask the question, why was it written? Why was Genesis written? Why was this whole story written? Well, I want to start off by saying it's not, it was never intended to be a, a scientific or a philosophical answer to God. You know, there's such a uh, conversation, we've already all had it, about all this whole evolution and creation thing. And the Bible doesn't say how it all happened. But what it does say is who and why. It says that there's one God that made the universe. It said that there's, 
that he made it according to his own plan, and that his plan in itself was good. And so when we look around the world and we see that, you know, we see evil, when we see death taking place, it's, it's not meant to be there. It's not meant to be part of this world, but because of, as we find out, human disobedience and, and sin, which I'll explain later, um, because of that, it's flourished in the world, and we have to bear with it, if you will. Okay, so let's get started. Right, creation. Now, I did a bit of research. You know, every single book, every good book needs to have a great beginning, okay? And so I did a bit of research, and I've checked out these opening sentences to other books, okay? This is going to be interesting. These are really just punchy sentences that open up this book. Okay, Lolita, light of my, lo- uh, light of my f- life, fire of my loins. Isn't that cool opening to a book, right? <laughs> Another one. Bill pondered the philosophical question. If a man belches and there's no one to hear, is he still a slob? <laughs> Great opening to a book. Another one. Really kind of strange one off the cuff. It was the day my grandmother exploded. Okay. And this one's a bit of a personal favorite. No particular reason. Most really pretty girls have pretty ugly feet. And so does Mindy Metalman. Leonardus notices all of a sudden. <laughs> okay, I found that much more funnier than you did. Anyway. Okay, so... Genesis, the opening verse in the Bible, the opening verse of, uh, of all of humanity and all of the world, it starts like this. And most of you know this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. What an amazing opening sentence. This isn't just some arbitrary moment in history. This isn't just the beginning of some story and some funny observation. This is the beginning of the universe. Now, Okay, who here has, has kind of sat and pondered the world, the creation, the beauty that's around us? I'm going to guess that most of you have. And I'm going to, I'm going to prove this with just a quick example. Okay, so let's say just, you, you've just got a letter through the post. This is real. You've won a holiday to one of three destinations, okay? You, the first place is the white sandy beaches, the beautiful place of Mauritius. Beautiful, right? Okay, the other option is you can go for free to the Alps. You go skiing, do whatever you want. And the third place you could go to, if you wanted to, is Hull. <laughs> fish, shop, fish shop town of the world, I think it is. Okay, now just play along with me. Who here would go to Mauritius? Okay, cool. I'm half Mauritian, so I feel like I need to go. Who here would go to the Alps? Okay, now the moment of truth, who would go to Hull? Okay, now any hand, I've been prepared for this, any hand that goes up, I know that you're only going to go to hold because it's free. Okay. Okay. okay, you know, we know as we look around us, God created some beautiful landscapes. You know, we see, uh, we see mountains, we see valleys, we see beaches, waterfalls, rainforests, deserts. It's amazing. But what's also amazing is the attention to detail. You know, we're in autumn right now, and as we look outside, we see the color of leaves in autumn, and it is beautiful. We smell flowers, and they're great. The sound of birds singing in the morning. The warmth of the sun, if it ever comes back, on our skin. (laughs) And even the beauty of sunrises as well. And someone told me once that some ungodly hour in the morning, there's also a sunrise. It's it's very strange. I meant to say sunset before. Anyway. Um, (laughs) Do you know, and that's just the earth. 
And then in a throwaway line, one of my favorite verses in the Bible is actually where it talks about uh, the sun and the moon. It's all, it says that God made two great lights in the sky. One, the greater light to govern the day, which is the sun. The, greater, the lesser light to govern the night, which is the moon. And then in almost throwaway sentence, it actually full stop and just kind of a little quip on the end of something. It just says, he also made the stars. Just like that. You can just imagine it. You know, God just making the whole world, the whole, uh, everything we see. It's such beauty. And then it comes to nighttime. He looks up and goes, something's missing. What is it? I know I'll make the universe with all the stars and all the planets and galaxies. Just, just as a you know, finishing touch. It's kind of on par with Tara coming home and just saying, and me going to her really excited, look, honey, I've done the washing up, I've done the uh, cleaning, I've, I've cleaned the bathroom, it looks immaculate, it's amazing. Oh, anyway. Oh, by the way, I also cured cancer. It's that God is just in abundance. And as we look around us, we see that God just gives and gives and gives. And you know, it's just, it's just amazing. But as we look at that, and God actually at this point said that the world, as he stood back and looked at the world, he said it was good. You know, and all God did, he didn't, he didn't hold back. He gave it all. He didn't hold back. He gave it and gave. And do you know what the amazing thing about this was? Is it was just setting the stage. Just setting the stage for humanity. The pinnacle of creation. The crown of creation. We're not... You and I, we're not just some uh, part of it, some animals or you know, some, something crawling along the ground or like a tree or anything like that. God called us the pinnacle of creation. And as, we, and as, as, we, as the Bible says, we're made in the image of God. And what that means is we're, we're created as God is in relationship. We're created with a purpose. So immediately we knew where we belonged. Immediately, we knew uh, that our, our purpose was to rule over creation, rule over the world that God had made, and not as some slaves that were just kind of following orders from God, but as on, on God's behalf, doing what God would do. There's a beautiful verse that I just think captures this whole thing. It's in ver- chapter 2, verse 19. It says, uh, God brought the animals to Adam, and he said, to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. Just picture this for a second, okay? So Adam's in the garden, and God's just kind of, you know, rustling around. And look at this. This is amazing. Runs over to Adam. Adam, look at this. Look at this. Look at what I've made. And, and goes, okay, Adam, what should we call it? And Adam's like, wallaby. I don't know. And God's like, yes, great name. I love that. Let's do it. On to the next one. Picture that amazing intimacy, that amazing relationship that God and man had. But also the authority, the, the, the rule that Adam was given by God. You know, as we look upon this, as we look upon this, and the Bible says at this point, the world is very good. As we look upon this moment, we see that we're created in an intimate relationship with God. We're created with an intimate relationship with each other as well. And we're, we're, our purpose is to rule over the world, rule over creation. And as we, as we look at this, we realize that at this point in time, this point in history, God was happy. Man was happy. Adam was happy. And, and get this, guys, even Eve was happy. Okay, now we know it's perfect, okay? <laughs> so much trouble later. Anyway. <laughs> but 
There was just one thing to note. In the garden, there were all kinds of trees, including uh, the tree of life and the tree of knowledge and evil. And God said this, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of knowledge and good and evil. For when you eat of it, you will certainly die. Do you know, God said that they could live life to the full. They could help themselves to whatever they wanted, and they could do whatever they pleased. But just one thing, don't eat from the tree. Sounds easy, right? You know, as we, as we look on, as we read on the rest of the story, what happened next would be the turning point in the whole of creation, the whole of humanity. Just one choice, just one choice would lead to the destruction of Adam and Eve and would lead to the destruction of their children and their children's children and so on and so forth up till today as well. So we go on to the fall. Let me just start by reading uh, chapter 3. This is right at the beginning of your Bible. Genesis chapter 3. It's like the second page for me, which is great. Okay. I set myself a bookmark just in case I lost it. Okay, chapter 3, verses 1 to 10. It's going to go up on the board, but again, if you need a Bible, you can grab one of those. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat from the trees in the garden. But God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. And you must not touch it, or you will die. You will certainly not die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened. And you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. The eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God yeah, among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. What we see here is a pattern that the rest of humanity would then follow. And just quickly run through it as it comes up on the board. It starts with a, it starts with a doubt. A doubt in the character and the trustworthiness or the existence of God. And then it goes on to... Uh, again goes on to choice. Do you follow God? Do you go against God? And then it goes on to, to sin itself, and that's the going against God. More on that in a moment. And then once we sin, there's guilt and there's shame. And then once we do that, we, we resort to self-protection. So let me just run through this and see what happened. Let's see what happens to, um, to Eve and Adam. It all starts with the doubt that God can be trusted. You know, the serpent turns around to Eve and says, you will certainly not die. In other words, God's not real. You don't need God. That's silly. Come on. You can live your life without God. 
It then says, God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. God wants to ruin your life. Religion's boring. Why would you come to church? God doesn't want you to have a good life. The only way you're going to have a good life is if you go and do what you want to do. That's the only way you're going to do it. And this brought Eve to this point of choice. What does she do? What's true? Does she trust that God really has uh, a good relationship and good intentions for her life? Or does she just think, ah, no. What I need to do is I need to go and get it for myself. I need to go and live my life how I want to live. And as she, as this choice moles around in her head and as she gets a bit uncomfortable and as she starts doubting God, her heart is prepared to sin. And so inevitably it comes. It says, seeing that the fruit is good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she takes some and eats it. If you've ever been on a diet and suddenly that piece of chocolate cake is right in front of you, you know exactly what she's going through. It looks good. It looks really good. And then she takes some and she's like, this is amazing. I love this. Adam, try some. Go on. It'll be fine. You can't see the effects. It'll be right. And as she does that, for the first time ever, the first time in the history of man, humankind has sinned. They've given up on God and chosen to go their own way. So what happened next? What's the result? They were guilty and they felt ashamed. At first, you know, it seemed good, it seemed tasty, it seemed wholesome. It was a brilliant thing to do. There's a rush of emotions. This was great. This was amazing. Wow. What an experience. But then all of a sudden, their eyes were opened. And they realized that something was wrong. Something was different than before. And as they stood there, trying to work this out, they suddenly felt the shame, that guilty feeling that they've done something wrong, just fill them inside. The next thing they try and do is self-protection. You know, despite all the promises made of this, this wonderful thing, this wonderful idea that just, just do what you want to do rather than God, they felt... Fear. They felt shame that God might find out. And so they quickly run around and they do whatever they can to hide it, to disguise it. Kind of like when I was a kid, I, I stole some chocolate. I won't go into detail, I feel very bad for it. But I, I took some chocolate out of um, this Christmas supply and I, I, I thought, oh no, now it looks like I've taken some. So I tried to place the chocolate bars back so it looked, didn't look like I'd taken any. It was this kind of hiding. No, no one must find out. Do whatever we can, but once it's been done, it's been done. And there's nothing you can do to hide it. And there's nothing Eve could do to hide it. And so rather than doing that, they hid. They hid from God, just as I did when I hid from my parents and trying to avoid that guilty look I had over my face. I hid away. But this led them up to the point, the first time ever, Ever, when God would ask this question, the question that would break his heart, where are you? Where are you? A question that he repeats today to, to anyone that's given up on him. Where are you? 
I want that relationship. I want to know you. Why are you hiding from me? At this point, Adam and Eve, man and woman, humankind had fallen. They had disobeyed God. Their eyes were open to evil. And now their character, our character, was broken. And with relationship and purpose, with relationship, the relationship could no longer happen. We were hidden from God. The relationship between each other was broken. And as for our purpose, as for ruling over creation, suddenly creation ruled, uh, sin and death ruled over us. The tendency to do evil and the punishment for that ruled over us, made us subject to that. Suddenly their purpose was no longer possible to accomplish. From that moment on, humankind would, by nature, give up on God and go their own way. But, and this is the turning point in the story once again, but no matter what people did, God would give them up to their ways, but he would never give up on us. God would never give up on us. Do you know, after Adam and Eve sinned, there's nothing stopping God just saying, oh, man, what a mistake. Okay, Adam and Eve, out of the garden, go on, go and die, draw a line under that and start again. But that's not what God's like. God was their father, their creator. And as he looked upon them, he thought, I cannot, cannot see them go through this. I cannot just leave them to die. And so as we read the story, we realize that the immediate thing God did before he even banished them from the garden was he killed an animal. He made provision. So rather than them dying on the spot for what they did wrong, God killed the animal and the the, the penalty of death that was due Adam and Eve was placed onto that animal. But more than that, God took the skins of this animal and made clothes to cover Adam and Eve, to cover their shame, temporarily, but cover their shame, so they wouldn't have to struggle as much. For now, in this story, up to where we are today, God had done all he could do. God had done everything he could do. But you know what? Next week onwards, we continue in the Old Testament. And we realize at various points throughout the history of humanity, God prepared the world for his brilliant plan, his amazing plan to redeem, to rescue, to save humanity, humankind. And one day, it wouldn't just be an animal that would have to die and would be taken to cover us. It would actually be it would actually be someone called Jesus. And just as with creation, God never held back his abundance, never held back what he gave to us. At this point, he wouldn't wouldn't just give us the world. He would give us his son. And his son wouldn't die just to cover our shame, but actually he would die to erase our sin, erase the evil that's within us. 
And he wouldn't just die for us so that the penalty of death could be upon him. But he'd also raise from the dead. He'd also come alive, overcoming death, overcoming the power of evil, overcoming the world. And in that, he would reunite the relationship between you and I and you and I and, and God. And in that, he would reinstate the purpose that we were made for. God would do this himself. God made it clear that no matter what we did, he would give us up to our ways. But he would never, he would refuse to give up on us. And you know, the amazing thing about today, as we look around and we see guys being baptized, and this is an incredible celebration, a reason for celebration. As we look at these, these guys, and we've been there before, being baptized, we just say to you, the reason why you're being baptized, the reason why you're here today, is because God never gave up on you. God never gave up on you. He refuses to give up. Absolutely. Now, if you ask me, that's a reason to celebrate. Don't you think? That is a reason to celebrate. I could go on, but just make one more point. When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, when they went against God, when they turned their backs on God, when they gave up on God... It led to death. When they stopped believing in God, it led to death. But because God would never give up on them, and because God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him, whoever trusts in him, whoever turns back to him, will not die, will not perish, but have eternal life. God refuses to give up, even today. And with that, we celebrate. Thank you. Chris. Thanks, Rich. Great, great job. And uh, I love that kind of hook line at the end there. God refuses to give up on us. And that I find very compelling. I mean, I've had friends and family and once or twice there's been those painful no- moments where friends have said, well, I'm, I remember a, a guy when I was at college, a good friend of mine, he was very disappointed with me about something. He said, Chris, I give up on you. And that really cut me. And sometimes, you know, when things are really black, you know, your spouse, your partner, your girlfriend, boyfriend may say, I'm just, I just give up on you. And then there are those even blacker moments where we sometimes stare at ourselves in the mirror and we say, I give up on you, Chris. You give up on yourself, you know. But that thought there that Rich just brought to us there, that God never gives up on us, is, is, is compelling. And, and I, I love that. Thank you, Rich.